You are listening to ViewSource, conversations around WordPress and adjacent tech with hosts Ruba Ahmed and me, Brian Kortz. All right. So last episode of the Laravel series. In our last episode, if I'm remembering correctly, we basically talked a lot about the content relationships and how they differ between Laravel and WordPress. And you showed us how you created the form and how to add content to our suggested episode Laravel app. Right, Brian? Yeah, I did all those things, learned a few mistakes, left a few accessibility errors on the server, you know, a few things <laughs> like that. But yes, that that is what happened. And since then, I've, I, I think, finished, you know, V1, you know, release candidate one yeah. of, of the episode suggester. suggester. <laughs> cool, cool. So what did you do? I mean, when we left off, we had the ability to register and the ability to add a new suggestion, but we didn't have the ability yet to vote, which is something we talked about because that required a new table, right? Yeah. So the way I had originally envisioned it was like, we'll just keep track of the number of votes. But then we realized we need to limit it to one vote per user ID. So that's where- Per suggestion. Yeah, for like a suggestion and a user ID. So there's a pivot table now that ties those two things together. And mm -hmm. of course, with Laravel, it was super easy. I created a table. It knew exactly what I wanted to do. It's very easy to use. They have these relationships where I can say, this belongs to this, this belongs to this, attach a user to a suggestion, and it'll only do it once. And there's just, you know, it's pretty seamless. So it yeah. honestly, it took me like 20 minutes to add that feature and put some forms <laughs> and some SVG buttons that Copilot just like <laughs> threw in for me. And, awesome. and it's, it's there. You Anybody can create an account and put suggestions and vote. Cool. And I, I played around with it. So I noticed, for example, that you moved our form up to the top of the area and there was a little arrow and I could vote for things. So it was fun. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let me vote for everything. Yeah, and I put in... Like one thing I do is when you put in a suggestion, you immediately automatically vote for it. So everybody starts with their one vote. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, that makes sense. I did not test that, but cool. All right. Yeah. So do you want to uh, show us what that looks like? Okay. So I am sharing my screen with the suggest episode suggester tool that we built. And I'm actually on the login screen that, you know, where you can log in or create an account, forget your password, all that stuff is functional and working. And as we talked about before, super easy. Do you notice anything visually about the screen? The colors are the view source colors now. I did. Right? I yep. Yeah. I brought in like the button colors and stuff like that and like the focus colors and everything from view source did you also slightly change the background or is it that it looks more blue because of the other blue accents like the sea blue accents now so you know how tailwind makes you pick a color but then you have to put in like zero to a thousand like versions yeah. of the color there's like a tool where you put in your color and then they make that for you like they make the different 100 through cool. whatever so i found that tool online i put in our brand colors for blue and green and then so that background you are correct is like the tiniest it's like <laughs> it's like a 50 like 0.05% of our blue instead of just that's a regular awesome yeah. <laughs> okay we'll put the we'll put that tool in the show notes because that sounds really cool okay, even if you don't yeah. use it with tailwind right <laughs> all right i'm gonna log in by putting in my email address and password it's so nice like the brand color just make me so happy <laughs> and honestly like doesn't this remind you of wordpress but like 
yes a little like easier but it's like such a clean simple like ui that everyone understands it's a little bit more modern looking than the default wordpress login screen (laughs) yeah and we will not go off on a tangent about how they change the html markup of it in wordpress 6.4 that's probably going to be out by the time this comes up yes (laughs) so okay yeah you're right. I did change the order of this. There was a few things I was thinking about. One is that this page might get eventually really long and it should be paginated for like performance reasons, but right. I just didn't want, I just didn't have time for it. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just yeah. put the form at the top. You can see it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that for this version and for the sake of this series, which is, you know, only four episodes and we can't do everything or show everything, this makes a lot of sense. And this way, it just it's there at the top, which is like one of the major things you kind of want to do, maybe that and vote and you can already vote. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as we were talking, I remembered that when you install like Breeze, that also includes like Alpine JS and Tailwind and stuff like that we talked about. It actually has a modal component. Mm. They stick in there for you. And I actually didn't even think about that. I could have put this card into a modal and had like a button. Yeah. Right here that's like add a suggestion, which would be really nice, too. And the the framework for the modal and stuff is already like there in the nice in in the breeze package. So okay, maybe I, we can do it after like we're done recording this episode or something. But that sounds like a really good idea, and it would feel a little cleaner and still avoid the whole pagination issue, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's really cool but, that breeze includes that too. I mean, I'm impressed with how many things just come in that basic breeze package. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little random because you're like, oh, well, now you have a, like sometimes you'll install a package in Laravel and then they'll be like, we also brought our own modal and what, and you're like, oh, well, I was installing Breeze. I didn't know I was getting Tailwind and Albert, like all these things, but it is actually really nice. Uh, you just have right. to think ahead when you install packages because they sometimes come with a little more stuff than you expected. And can you like remove them or say, oh, I don't want this one part or something or no? I think just like manually, although I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because usually you when you install something, you run a command that like copies over a bunch of stuff. And I don't know if right. you, maybe they they put in options or something to like strip mm. that down. Cool. I mean, that's worth looking at. But OK, yeah. this looks solid, you know, and do you want to do you want to demonstrate the voting? <laughs> yeah, so I got to find so like I can't vote. Oh, you know what? Because we reset the server, I can vote on some of my own. But typically that wouldn't happen. But I will vote. Ooh, which one do I actually want to vote for? Finishing that accordion block, I will vote for that. So you <laughs> click it. This this success message I'm now realizing like is such a like I don't even know if you can see that yeah. in the screen share that it's there. So we can definitely do some stuff with that. It's not an error because it's it's you know the point gets across like the background is not like important to the getting the content across, yes. but. So what Brian's talking about is that there's a notification at the top of the screen right now that says suggestion upvoted and the green color background is so light that you can't really see it against the whole application background. But yes, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but that's it. It's just a form. You don't even see it, but you actually, when you click the button, you, you're clicking a submit button. It goes to a URL that checks everything, authenticates, updates the database, it- sends you back. Yeah, so this is actually refreshing the whole page, but you could use Alpine.js or like Livewire or something in order to make it, you know, do it without a refresh. But honestly, it's so fast and so light that you kind of like you notice it because of the fact that it gets you takes you to the top of the page again. But aside from that, it's like it's so fast, it doesn't even matter. 
Yeah, and if I wanted to, like, you can you can build like full single page app on top of Laravel. It's very common. There's lots of places to do that. I wanted to go as simple as possible and do full PHP page refreshes. And what's nice is like if I upvote and it changes the ranking of the order because they're ordered by votes most mm. to least. I don't have yes. to deal with that because I'm just loading the page. Like, <laughs> I don't. Right. It just less complexity and like getting it off the ground faster. I think was the goal. And like that's yeah. an example of where. It's it's just you make your life easier. Yeah. I also want to note like an, a really, really popular or really good example of a SPA built on top of Laravel is actually Fathom Analytics because Fathom Analytics is basically Laravel with like Livewire and Alpine.js and Jack Ellis, the primary developer of it. He loves Laravel and he loves doing everything in it. And, you know, it's not exactly like there's the it, it feels very dynamic it's very single page things don't load reload or anything but it's definitely a different way of doing things than react or javascript and you can't you you can tell but it doesn't matter because it's doing what you need it to do yeah and if you want that single page app experience with like instant reloads and everything but you want to write it in php that's what laravel livewire is for like you never really write the JavaScript, you always are dealing with PHP. And it's definitely a route to go. And this would probably be a very good use case for it because it would have done things like re redo the whole query and everything like sort of instantly. But yeah. you know, it's really good at that. And then sometimes as you get more complicated, you're like, Oh, this is getting a little too, too much to handle. Just such a great ecosystem. Yeah. So okay, let's bring it back to the topic of our this last yeah. episode in this series, which is really about, you know, how do you build this stuff? How do you deploy it? So what goes on to make this happen? So I'm going to take us on a side trip because okay. earlier we were talking about how I mentioned how, oh man, when you're coding with Laravel and you have to have like three terminals open and you were like three terminals yeah. open. <laughs> so did you, did you like figure out what you think my three terminals are that I need to have open? I was I was so tempted to Google it, but I'm like, no, no, I'm not gonna Google it. We're gonna find out together. Obviously, one is like you had told me is artisan serve, which is to like start up the server. One is probably to like actually, you know, like a standard npm run build, right? Mm -hmm. But what is the third one? I, I, so what is the third is how, one doing? So I'm sharing my code editor. I'm very zoomed in. I have my terminal on like the right hand side column of the screen. And the reason why is because, so first I need my like PHP artisan serve. And so I need to run the PHP server and it gives me yeah. like a little local host URL, right? Then I right. have to click the split button and open a mm -hmm. second terminal. And this is where I have to run my build process. So I need NPM okay. run dev. This is a very right. fresh version of Laravel. So it's actually using Vite instead of mix. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Vite is great. Yeah. And then I need a third one because honestly, I spend a lot of time making commands, constantly talking to the server. So like PHP artisan make with a colon, and then I'm making something, make a migration, oh, make I a see. model, make, you know, scaffold this. Right. Um, or recently I've been doing a lot of where I type in PHP artisan tinker, which opens like a little PHP shell and resetting yeah. my password because I keep forgetting to save my password for my user, <laughs> my local computer. <laughs> so I like go in there and I like, you know, in PHP, like find the user and change the password. So I always just need that third terminal open to like do these sorts of things. 
That's so interesting, you know? Coming from the world of WordPress, that's not something... You're not used to scaffolding so many things using the command line, even though there's a number of scaffolding commands in WPCLI, right? For like Mm -hmm. a plugin, a custom post type, those kinds of things do exist. But I don't think that's as baked into the workflow of a WordPress developer as it is for a Laravel developer. So that's really cool, you know? Yeah. It's another way I'm just like... This is awesome. <laughs> and it goes back to what you're saying a few episodes back about like strictness where like I can do all this stuff from the root. Oh, I might be doing the other thing I might use this for is like Git. I kind of like to just do my Git stuff right. in the command line sometimes. And so it's all easy because I'm like right in the root. It's always the same. And I know that sometimes WordPress, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is WPCI has scaffold. But like, is WPCI even working on my computer right now? Sometimes it's not because it's got PHP like version issues. Unless I'm using local, then they have like their own shell that I have to open up. I can't open up in VS Code. I got to open it up in a real terminal. Like, mm. am I scaffolding from the root? Am I building a block in a plugin, in a theme? And, you know, it's like there's, there's, because there's no like best way to do it. It's, it, it's just like, I think it adds a lot of overhead to people. And they're just like, I don't want to deal with the scaffolds. I don't want to deal with WPCL. I don't want to deal with the build process. Yeah. I want simple WordPress. Yeah. That's unfortunate, you know? And, I think when I think about that, I think it's, yes, there's this whole concept of there's so many different ways to do it, that there's no one way that you can guarantee it'll work. But two is, I think, just an education thing as well. I actually think that around WPCLI and its usefulness, you know, the fact that it has a lot of these commands and the fact that it's actually very easy to create new commands, all of these things, there's not actually a lot of education around them in the WordPress world. And so the only people who are using it are the people who like literally are doing something so often that they know creating a WPCLI command is going to save them so much time. And I think that comes along, that comes along most often on the enterprise level, right? And not everyone is on the enterprise level, but with Laravel, it's like, it doesn't matter what level of development you're on. You're in the artisan area, right? You're using your command line a lot. It's so different in such a cool and good way. (laughs) Yeah, and you definitely made me think of, like, I was thinking along the same lines of Enterprise, like, if you're using Pantheon or WordPress VIP, there actually is a lot more of a standardized practice that you would see. And, like, if you've done one project, then you can probably more, you know, regularly understand the other projects, and they do have a better, like, CLI and all that sort of stuff, you know, set up. And so you see it in there, but, like you said, like if you're a beginner Laravel, you're hopefully for the most part going to be learning the same tips, tricks, and tools that the advanced Laravel Laravel developer is going to use, and you're on that same journey. Whereas, yeah, with the WordPress, you might be we're all on like very different <laughs> journeys of like yeah. tooling. Yeah, uh, for sure. Cool. Okay. So when you're developing, you have these three terminals running, and then you know you've done all your work, everything's good to go. And then what's next? Yeah, so I think, you know, our kind of goal is to talk about deployment and getting this stuff on a server. And I think this part is important because you generally don't, in Laravel, commit all of your built assets. So, like, with Blade and and Tailwind and, you know, just SaaS and all these sorts of things happening, you know, that's why you have this build process, building all that stuff, but you don't keep all that stuff in the repo because it's so hard to merge branches and stuff when you're dealing with, like, built compiled assets. 
So in Laravel land, you deploy stuff to a server and that server generally needs to run all the composer like installation stuff, get all of the dependencies installed in composer, get all the node dependencies involved, do your nodes. So like, there's like this whole thing that has to happen every time you deploy to a server. So it's a lot different than the WordPress space, most of the WordPress space. And so everything we're doing here kind of has to be a part of that deployment process because we had to rebuild the site once we put it onto the server. Okay. So yeah, it's a lot like Netlify, right? Like statically generated stuff where you point it to a repo and then it's going to run that build process for you and then give you that static version on the server. Whereas in WordPress, it's expected that you're going to give it the static itself. Because, I mean, technically you could do that in WordPress too if you wanted, but it's not as simple, right? Like you I mean, could have like a repo that doesn't have built stuff and then run it through like a deployment workflow with another tool or something that then compiles everything and then puts it on the server. But that's not really very common in WordPress. I would say like the roots sage world of WordPress that is I yeah. think heavily influenced by the same thinking that influenced Laravel does do mm -hmm. that. And so if you've ever done this type of them, like you do use composer and there is like WP packages and there are all these like movements to bring those sorts of things into it. But I think yeah. most WordPress developers are probably just committing <laughs> built <laughs> they're, they're compiling their CSS that goes into the repo or gets dragged onto a server. And there's not that yeah. like CICD mindset of like building things on the fly when you deploy. So it's a mindset right. shift. Definitely. And just a, just a general workflow shift. I mean, it's a completely different way of going from development to deployment entirely and if there's no middle ground you know either you do it this way or you do it this way there isn't no way where you're like oh yeah let me let me ease into this process there's really not that's not really a thing <laughs> and it's i think that tension that's always in wordpress of wanting to have modern advanced tooling but also wanting to be super beginner friendly and i think even hosting companies are kind of struggling with defining the best ways to do this sort of stuff you know you want to be able to just mm put files on a server and not think about this <laughs> stuff, <laughs> but, but yeah. it, this stuff really helps and it makes collaboration easier and it makes, you know, the possibilities a lot better. Yeah. Although I would say that there are parts of WordPress that are moving towards saying, Hey, you know what? It's okay if we're not completely beginner friendly in all aspects of our development. So it's there, but yeah, that's not really like the default mode of WordPress. That's not, that's not the WordPress culture at least up until now. So should we, should we deploy? Should we go through the process of deploying this? Yeah, let's take a look at what that looks like here. How are you gonna deploy this? So I'm gonna use a tool that's pretty much the standard, I think, in Laravel, and it's, you know, comes from the same team behind Laravel, so it's really deeply integrated with a lot of the tools and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty popular. This is called Laravel Forge, which I'm sharing on my screen right now that I am logged into Laravel Forge. It's a paid service. So you pay like a small monthly fee. They might have a free tier, mm -hmm. but I think generally you need to pay for it, right? Right. I don't think there's a free tier. There might not mm -hmm. be a free tier. That might be wishful thinking. <laughs> <from my part. laughs> so, so do you, I feel like you know a lot about this sort of, it's like the approach where you have a tool that handles your deployment and you have a server that you buy from AWS, DigitalOcean, you know, whatever. 
and you put those two tools together to deploy. I feel like yeah. you're probably more familiar with that mindset than me. Well, okay. Very short story time. When I went to my very first WordCamp US, it was that was WordCamp US 2019, and I was walking around in the sponsor hall, and there were a lot. There was a few different Forge-like businesses that were advertising that were sponsors of WordCamp US, and one of them was Spin Up WP. And I walked up to them and I'm like, I don't understand what this is. Can you explain this to me? And I, I forget who it was, but he was so helpful. And he walked me through this whole concept, which was very novel to me at the time. Like I knew it, but I had never seen anyone really doing it in WordPress until, you know, Spin Up WP, which was at the time part of Delicious Brains. They're separate now. But yeah, like this whole concept of having a cPanel that is not a cPanel, right? We all know cPanel from our back in the day, early development mm -hmm. years. Like you have a server, you install cPanel on it, and that's sort of how you administer your server, create emails and FTP accounts and sites and install WordPress and all sorts of things. And this lets you do that with any server. But in case, in the case of SpinWP, it was specialized for WordPress itself. Forge, first and foremost, is specialized for Laravel. Right. And yeah. yeah, this is like in a lot of the cases, like you can connect a repo and have it have this administration sort of software handle it for you and deploy it to the server and do a lot of things that like that Netlify does essentially, but mm -hmm. for your own stuff without like a service. It can seem a little bit insane, I think, because you're like paying for a server and then you pay for the software. And you're, you feel like you're paying for two different things. But if you have a lot of sites or you need this kind of stuff, it actually is very helpful and cost effective in the long run, I think. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, like, why in the world of, like, good, solid, managed WordPress hosting, why would you want to have your own AWS server and your own deployment workflow and your own, like, why would you want to do all that in the world of managed WordPress? But I think you're right, like it. It can be super cost effective and it really depends on the types of sites you're building and the types of yeah. things you're trying to do with those sites and, and you know, how critical code changes and, ver you know, version control code changes are to your workflow. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had a bunch of clients and literally all of these clients had three or four page websites. They barely ever edited. And I had like, I think like 18 of these clients and I put them all on a $5 digital ocean server connected to spin up WP and I never encountered any problems. They never had any issues because they were just never resource heavy. But if I had the same thing going on, like on a managed WordPress host, I would have to pay like 23, $24 per month per site. And here I was getting away with like $5 and like, I think like, I don't know, $18 or something a month or something. And being able to charge like a regular ish, but discounted hosting client price to my clients win for them win for me it is, it is great. <laughs> it is great. <laughs> yeah. So that's been fun to dig into. Like I've deployed a few Laravel things. I think if you have clients and stuff and you are saying, oh man, this project Laravel might be right for you. You do want to be a little more upfront with like, you will probably need to be paying for this deployment service and the server. And, you know, there are a lot of like things, you know, you like on a WordPress host, you can kind of trust that PHP mailer will send some emails for you, maybe a little bit or whatever. But once you get into this yeah. world, like that's not going to be on the server. Like you need a, you need an email, transactional email API. Like you need 
all these little pieces on top of it because you are building it all yeah. yourself. You're not dealing with that managed situation. But if you mm -hmm. want that control and can eventually and can make it like price like affordable, then it's definitely worth it. Yeah, for sure. So I think Spin Up WP was, I think, inspired by Forge. And I'm sure there's other like software like this, but I think Forge is now like, it can even do WordPress, right? It's not just Laravel. And it does a lot of really cool things. Like it has this concept I'm seeing here in the menu bar of circles, which I thought was like a really great way of doing teams and collaboration. It's just, there's a lot of really great things about it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know people who do it, who use it for WordPress. And so if you want that sort of like, composer centric you know workflow it's definitely yeah. doable. so cool i have one server in this account that <laughs> is basically i have an aws account i you know paid for a server it's overall pretty cheap you know like to host on aws it's it, it can yeah. be pretty cost effective and what i've done here is i basically told forge here's my aws server you got to go through the whole like i am user song and dance like credentials, groups, permissions, whatever, like it, it's <laughs> something that you will not do it right. The first time you will <laughs> like it, it's taking me like, you know, five plus sites to get to a place where I'm like, okay, I can connect AWS to forge quickly, but we connect that and we basically have the server and then I can dig into that server by clicking on it. I call our server view source and I see a little Amazon logo. Mm-hmm. And inside of that server, I can now add as many sites as I want to that server based on, you know, how much bandwidth I want to use and that sort of thing. And so I have one site that I've launched to this server. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I see this is just Viewsource FM as a site in that table. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of like server related settings as well, but you can see that it's connected to that repo. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, I connected this, like you basically kind of traditionally you're going to start with like a repo as the basis. So, you know, one thing we could do is we could connect, like you can see here that I'm connected to the main branch, but we could on the same server, make a staging version of it to test our changes mm -hmm. and connect that to a different branch. So that when we push changes right. to, you know, a develop branch, they go to that other ver that other site sitting on the same server, for example. Right. And, but you could still like keep it connected to the same database so that you still have all the same information, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, so when you connect and once you've connected it to, to AWS, like it, when you add a new, when you start a new site, it handles everything like picking like the VPC and like the server and the, the database and all that stuff. And you can customize it, but it's going to make yeah. all of those assets and it's going to install Nginx and it's going to install like all the different things. It's going to do all that work for you. And so it's super seamless. And yeah, you can, then you can say like, I want to point this to a different database. I can also right. like remote into the databases from here by adding credentials, all that sort of stuff. So for the most part, once you've connected it to AWS or wherever your server lives, you don't really have to go in there for the most part, right? You just handle what you need from here. Yeah, I don't think I've logged back into AWS <laughs> since on any of the sites. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, cool. And I mean, I'm seeing a lot of really cool things here. Some that are probably like more Laravel specific, right? Like scheduler and stuff. Uh, stuff, but there's like SSH keys and database, like a lot of different settings that you can use and configure for your server. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can go kind of like deep down it. Like if you're a, a servery kind of person, you can like make changes to the type of database and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of stuff built in, you know, okay. change your PHP version, all that stuff. But then you can click on the site 
and you get yeah. sort of a, a deeper dive for that specific site and right. some of the things you can change there. Nice. Okay. So what is happening here? Can you show us what it looks like when you push something to the repo? Yeah. What is set up to happen here in order to deploy that change to the server? Yeah. So we have a little deployments tab. So I'm going to click on that. I'm going to scroll down and what we're basically, there's a few things. One is that we have what's called quick deploy, which basically says like, watch for changes on this branch. If the branch, if someone pushes to the branch, just deploy it automatically. Right. And so we, mm -hmm. we have that set up for the main branch. And then you have, and this is something that is more common in, like you said, like the Netlify world is that deployment script, which is once I push to the branch, run some commands for me. And so in this case, you can see here, like PHP artisan migrate, like run all my migrations. Did I, did the, were there new tables added since the last time I pushed, like modify those right. tables, add those tables. And then this one, people have different opinions on, but at, then I do a, an NPM stall and a NPM run build to build all of those assets with V. What are the different opinions like on what exactly? So like sometime in the last, I, like I, I would love somebody to like explain this to me, but somebody in the last year, Laravel's like base package changed where you used to not have to do that because I think it was committing the compiled resources, but sometime during version 10 of Laravel, that changed and it wasn't happening. So I kind of went down the rabbit hole and some people were like, I just commit all my built assets. And other people were like, no, I just run NPM on the server because node is available and just build it then. And I kind of liked that approach better. Yeah. But it didn't used to be the case. It used to be the case that you committed your built assets. Yeah. I mean, I learned about deployment scripts through the world of Jamstack, through Net Netlify. So it's to me, it's, it's very common. It makes a lot of sense that you would run NPM install as part of your script instead of committing anything. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. So this is running every single time you push something right now because you do have quick deploy turned on. Yeah. And since, you know, we obviously do our work in a branch and then we try it. So like, you do have to be aware that like, don't just sit there pushing things to main all day. Like we're on a branch, yes. you know, if this was a live site and people were like logged in, it would not be a great experience if every five minutes, like composer was like checking for new dependencies, <laughs> installing them. You know what I mean? Like, Gosh, so yeah. you know, that sort of stuff, definitely pay attention to that. But once you do, you can actually go down so you can see like all the deployments that That's happened. Cool. You can see where I actually did do like a couple pushes this morning. Yeah. So I was trying to get out fast, but it wasn't live. So I didn't feel as bad, but yeah. you can actually see the full console output of everything that it did too. Nice. And it's quite so, pretty and very readable, which I appreciate. Yeah. Like what commits were pushed, what physical files were actually changed. Were there any new packages that need to be installed? Mm -hmm any migrations that needed to be run. And then, and then it runs that build process for you and kind of does all of that. Nice. So if there was any errors or any issues, it'd be really easy to pinpoint them in that log, which is really nice. Yeah. And if you do have issues, there's actually a command, like you can, I think there's like a commands tab where you can come in and you can basically run any command line Ooh. commands directly from here. Cool. You don't like, you don't have to SSH into the server and like fix things. You can kind of be like, okay, run this command for me real quick. And <laughs> that's awesome. That, and it gives you like the same thing, like the full output log and yeah. everything. It's really nice. That is really nice. I mean, this is definitely a little bit more advanced feeling than spin up WP, but spin up WP has a lot of the same concepts, but it is WordPress, WordPress first. So it's cool. 
You know, this makes me... A process like this, using something like this, makes having a good like CICD, like continuous integration workflow, really important. You know, doing pull requests and having different branches and having good commit messages. All of it sort of, you know, waterfalls into helping you create something that is easy to track and collaborate on. Whereas when you are the in the world of just popping a file on an SFTP, I mean, it's not great for collaboration, but it also doesn't require like a very... Mm, rigorous or specific you know or clean figured out workflow so it's very organized and it requires you to be organized for it to work effectively so it sort of brings it upon you it forces it on you in a good way yeah and i think a lot of wordpress managed hosts are sort of bringing in a bit of this experience but i think forge is like clearly the most robust like in terms of just full featured and like fully realized as a concept because yes. you're right, like sometimes, you know, you end up that situation like, oh, okay, now I have Git on my site ground account or whatever, but like, it's not quite the same because you can't really, it's really hard to track like who pushed what, did somebody go in an SFTP and just change it anyway? Did, you know, did yeah. somebody go in the file editor and change it? You go to push and it says, oh, you're missing something that somebody pushed, but they didn't push it to the, they didn't push it to GitHub. They only pushed it that, you know, there's all these ways it can go wrong and everything. And there's no clear sort of history of what happened and once it does go wrong you're like where's those sftp credentials because i need to fix it you know so it's really yeah. nice like that everything is like centralized this is the way to do it everyone's doing it the same way once you know if you're doing commits i would see your history here i would see you know all those things mm -hmm. i could roll it back it would undo the database changes like all that stuff is just it's really built yeah. for like collaboration piece yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, like I've used Netlify a lot, but this is even more advanced than the administration panel of Netlify. Like it provides a lot more information from a, like a developer experience perspective, like that console log being there and how nice it is to look at. So I would say that I knew Forge and I'd played around with it a little bit. I've used it a little bit, but in like you creating this whole thing and then walking through it with us like here, I I'm even more impressed with just how robust it is. At, you know, just like thinking about this whole process of, of going through Laravel and comparing it to WordPress, obviously like if you're dealing with like massive content management, <laughs> WordPress, you know, yeah. and the block editor and stuff is just, you know, it's a completely different use case and like a world of like stuff that's great but there was so many things in this like fitting this into four episodes that we did not even get get into like somebody yes. mentioned to us jobs and queues and the yes. way you queue up tasks and stuff where, shout you know, out to sean <laughs> yeah it was i when he said that, i was like oh i knew because like that is that was i think for me the the biggest mind like blowing thing where you were like oh i can like not do everything right now i can stack it up in a yeah. queue and have php workers just like taking care of it and logging it for me and and like i can just stack actions up and 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 then throw extra resources at them and it's not dealing with wp cron and it's weird like <laughs> ir like irregular like reliability yeah. and stuff i mean there's a and how you can like, like 
fine tune it, right? You can control it so finely. There was a project that you and I did where we had to use the workers and set up those jobs. And I remember thinking, you know, this is so much nicer than doing it inside WordPress. Like it's, there's so much more control here without like digging really deep, you know, like that control has been surfaced up to the highest level so that you don't have any, it's, anyone can do it if they understand it a little bit. And I really appreciate that. I think that's like my whole biggest takeaway from Laravel, you know, (laughs) things that are complex are complex, but the ability to manipulate them has been abstracted just enough so that they're clean, easy to understand and accessible at the highest level which sometimes is not the case in a lot of frameworks, including sometimes WordPress. And I think like to give up like a specific example, I was thinking like, let's say you're building a plugin and you need it to export a whole bunch of stuff into like some huge file, but it's going to take like a while to do it. It's not just going to happen quickly. And you want to tell your user, like, it's a common thing, you know, generate this and we'll let you know when it's ready, you know? Like, don't do it now, but put it in the list to do like those sorts of actions and stuff like that. Things that are like really complicated, like you said, and really resource heavy or, you know, really nitty gritty and stuff like it, it just, it's just a different, it's just a different place to put your head in. And it's really been hard to just like context shift back and forth from WordPress to Laravel because you're like. I know how I do this here, but I don't know how to do it here and vice versa and stuff. But yeah. And um, oh, this was so easy here. And why isn't this so easy here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I feel, do you feel like we learned? Do you feel like we did a good Laravel deep dive? I think, I don't know if I'd call it a deep dive. I think it's more like we, we covered a lot of those things that make Laravel good and interesting. And I think for me, the most valuable thing has been, reflecting on how that compares to WordPress, you know, and the way it has made me think about, okay, so sure, WordPress doesn't do this now, but what could we do that is like this within the WordPress paradigm, perhaps, you know, how can we provide that kind of ease without like changing the WordPress culture? There's really great, lots of great things about like how we do things in WordPress too, but there's so much goodness, I think, to be learned from Laravel specifically, you know, so like, what do you think? What is your takeaway? Yeah, I think what I really appreciate about WordPress is it's been leaning very heavily into the user experience side of, you know, with just the block editor and the admin redesign and, you know, some of the things that are getting kind of like more attention nowadays. But I think most people would agree like developer experience is not like a super high priority, whereas Mm -hmm. in Laravel, they're this is all about developer experience. Like that's everything is the whole thing is geared towards being great for developers, but yeah. it's then on you. And I was, I kind of run into this a lot of my projects. Like it's on you to actually think about user experience. And like you have, you can't just rely on, you know, WordPress sometimes gives you a lot of UI off the bat that Laravel doesn't. And it's very easy to make bad, inaccessible, clunky UI in Laravel. And I do feel like I see that a lot. Like people who, Right. are strong developers, but there's no sense of user experience. And so right. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is like, I love how far it's leaned into developer experience, but you really have to bring your UX chops and, and WordPress it's the user experience of block editor is getting really good. And I'm hopeful that we'll start seeing people contribute more to the developer experience. And we'll start seeing some of those 
best practices for, you know, modern quote <laughs> WordPress emerge over, over the future and people are doing it. So I think it's coming. Yeah. You know, it is unfortunate. I think that this is a common issue with many frameworks that are either really great at user experience or really, really good at developer experience. And it's very, it's not as common to find like a good balance between the two. Although I would argue that there was a time in WordPress where that balance did exist, but as things got more complex, they had, they had, they shifted a lot and they leaned a lot towards that user experience. But I also think you're right. There's a lot of hope and a lot of like people like outspoken people talking about how DX needs to be better in WordPress. So I think over time, we should hopefully at least balance it out a little bit more, if not perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this has been really awesome. And, you know, suggest.viewsource.fm is available if y'all want to register and like give us actual suggestions in there. <laughs> yeah, that actually makes me think, I bet you that there's a really simple Slack integration that's already supported by Laravel. And so maybe my homework after this will be, I'll put a Slack integration so that if we do get a suggestion, we'll actually know about it. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. So please, if you have ideas, we'd love to see them in the suggest.viewsource.fm application that Brian has built for us. And hopefully you found this series as interesting and fun as we have. And all of the code is available on GitHub. And I welcome any Laravel pros to point out <laughs> any, any of the you know, amateur mistakes since Laravel is yes. not my first language. Definitely. All right. Well, I guess, Brian, I will see you in the next episode. This is the official end of our Laravel series, right? Yeah. And what comes next is a mystery to all of us. So da, see da, you next da. Time. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye. Visit viewsource.fm for the show notes. And if you're enjoying the show, we would love a review on iTunes or a comment on YouTube.